I'm going to just talk to you a little bit. I had this opportunity to talk to someone this week. There's a lot of life on it. So I'm just going to go back to an experience I recently had and talk to you about it to help you. Um, How many of you have ever heard the statement, you made your bed, now you've got to lie in it? Yep, yep, you know. There's nothing wrong with accountability. I, you know, well, let's not take accountability out of that, you know. But, but really, God never intended us to sleep in the bed we made. He intended us to sleep in the bed he made. That's his plan. And the Bible says that if my people who are called by my name would turn and they would call out, by repenting, that's, that's repenting, changing, turning. That he said, I'll heal their land. I'll restore them to where they once were if they would just recognize me. Now, we've taken that to a national prayer, and it's a good national prayer. Don't get me wrong, but that's a prayer we can bring right into our own life and realize that if we'll just acknowledge him, He will come and undo what we've done and do what he does. How many of you ready for God to undo what you've done and do what he does? Amen. Have anybody got an area of your life that you'd like to have undone the way you did it? And you'd like God to redo it the way he does it? Let him just do what he does. Amen. All right. Well, that's what kind of what we're going to talk today about. I'm going to start out here, Romans chapter, um, chapter 8, verse 1. In the King James, it says, There is therefore, from here to forth, from there to forth, there is, there to forth, there meaning where, where's there at, where you met him. Hello? Where you met him. When you met him, did he, did he forgive you of your present sin, your past sin, your future sin, or all sin? All sin. So now, there to four, now goes back further than the time you met him, Right? It goes all the way back to your beginning, being formed in your mother's womb. There. Forward. That's what the Bible's saying now. There is, from the time of your mother's womb, forward, now, no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Wow. There's so much more of a benefit package being in Christ than we realize. It is not just, I don't have to go to hell. There's so much more to it. We get so much. The reason we are wrestling is it's just been a get out of hell card. And so now we wrestle with everyday life and everyday occurrences and everything that goes on, okay? 
So we're going to talk about this a little bit. And I want you to see this, which are in Christ. Now, understand the next part of this verse is never recorded in the original script. King James added this. But I'm going to use it today. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Contingencies, right? All of a sudden, there's this great news Paul's telling the, the church of Rome. From the time you began, when you meet Christ, from the time you started forward, there's no condemnation. But only if, and there's a contingency, okay? Understand God never put a contingency on it. Man put a contingency on it. But I'm going to use that contingency to help you understand what I believe the writers should have meant if they didn't, okay? When we get in the flesh and we think on the flesh, we go down the aisle or that corridor of guilt and shame, which brings about condemnation. And that's what he's trying to say is, you can keep your mind out of condemnation. You're not being condemned. You're condemning yourself by allowing your mind to go down the avenue of the flesh and seeing things in the flesh. When we see things in the spirit, you know what? When I started seeing things in the spirit, I remember when I, I just started out preaching. Man, I was getting revelation. And I remember my pastor would announce me to preach, and he would say, I don't understand a lot what he's going to say, but I like it, you know? Because of what we're conformed to in this world, the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, I want you to understand, I heard somebody say it this week, I'm going to kind of slide this in. The Bible says he will give you whatever you, your heart desires. He said if you'll declare a thing, he'll establish it. Okay? The Bible says that. Ask whatsoever you will. Right? And you shall have it. All right? Here's the deal. The reason we don't see that is because you can't have that until you are transformed. Until you're renewed to think like God thinks, then God is, is he, has, he has put himself in a position to give you whatever you say when you're thinking like he thinks. If he gave it to you before you thought like he thinks, he would make a very self-centered individual out of you. He would, what he would develop in you is a narcissist. And God is not involved in developing narcissists. 
He's he is involved in developing children of the living God. To be in his stead, the Bible says we are in his stead. Instead of him, we are here. And he wants to speak through us. He wants to declare through us. He wants to flow through us and work through us as if it was him here doing it. But the mind has to be transformed because it doesn't get transformed at salvation. It just, you just receive the power to transform at salvation. Before salvation, you do not have the power to transform. And if you don't believe this, ask yourself, why is it that Jenny Craig has to come up with a new plan every two or three years? Because we tried that and it didn't work. Anthony Robbins, one of the great, you know, lecturers of the day, uh, why does he have to change it all the time and change the motivation of how he's, because the last one didn't work. You can't do this. You can't transform this because this controls everything else. And when this is saved and this is not in the control of God, it's not in your control, then this does whatever it wants to, even though you're saved. And that's why saved people do crazy things. And you go, I thought they were saved. Well, they are. They just haven't got this transformed yet. And somebody told them or led them to believe that it's all right. They're saved. It's okay. Did you know the Bible says that sin produces death in any area of our life? Now, let me help you understand. Now, we, we talked about sin here not long ago. And there's, there's the sin that we were born in. And in that born-in sin, there are, there are um, how would we say it? There are attributes of that. Something that it produces. Sin produces, and what I call what people, you see people do, that's the exhaust of sin. Okay? So you can get the person... Saved and trans transitioned. You can buy a beautiful car, gas engine, producing all kinds of toxins when it runs. And you can buy it and you can transition it from one place to another. And that car, until it's worked on, you can transition that car to propane. And when you transition it and transfer it to propane, you can run it and stay in the garage with it and it won't kill you. But while it's running on gasoline, that thing will kill you. And some people get born again and they're transitioned from this garage to God's garage, but they're still producing emissions that look like sin. Because they've not had the engine 
transformed to a heavenly thinking that will not produce the exhaust that kills. Sin will always kill, and it will kill Christians the same way it will kill non-Christians. Because that's the only race we have on this earth. The only race we have in the human race are the saved and the unsaved. At judgment day, God's not going to look at you and say, well, how much of Italian do you have in you? German? All depends upon what your mix is, whether you get in or not. We'll have nothing to do with it. Whether you're black, half black, white, half white, it doesn't matter. You're all the creation of God called the human race. And the only thing that will get you in is for Jesus Christ to know you and you to know him. That's it. Nothing else will get you across that threshold. It doesn't matter if you know any other, any other type of religion. No other religion can get you in there but through Jesus Christ and him alone. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. That's it. And no one can get to Jesus unless the Spirit draws them. Wow. We're trying our best to get people saved so we can tell people how many we got saved, and you didn't get anybody saved. You didn't get the chance to get anybody saved because you don't have the power to convict anyone. All you have the power to do is to be obedient to speak his word as he gives it to you, and he will work on his word to convict the soul and receive salvation. And that's the only way it can happen. So we got to get the pressure off of us, put the pressure on him, because he's the one that can handle that pressure. All right? So now understanding that, this sin that we're born in, can still develop exhaust until we get our mind transformed in that, okay? Now, while we have that, now we're eternally forgiven, but the, we're dealing with this other stuff, all right? And this is our growth. We're growing in him, and we are, we are going from glory to glory to glory by Christ Jesus, all right? So you're not the person you used to be, but you're not near the person you're going to be. Amen? You're heading in the right direction. So now that we have that and we understand that, we need to understand in this mentality of, because it all depends upon how much time. It seems like a person who's young gets saved, they just don't have as much under their belt to deal with. Have you ever noticed that? But someone who's been um, a live wire center for a long, long time struggles because they got more stuff to deal with. There's more in here to deal with. Somebody who's been playing around or maybe, maybe had not heard the truth on how to get set free, how to walk out of things, bondages, things that bind us and things that torment us and things that we struggle with. We don't have that 
proper teaching inside the church, then we live in condemnation and we're trying to put on a facade, but in behind closed doors we're somebody else, and, and that's religion. And religion is a really hard thing to get out from underneath, but once you get out, boy, are you free, okay? So, but understand, we can still sin against one another, you know? Hey, a bad deal, you know? You know good and well. You know, I tell, my, I tell the guys I contract on a regular basis, listen, Everything that we agree to has to be good for you and for me and for the customers and for the company. Whatever we stand on has to be good for everyone equally. If it's not good for everyone equally, then we got to scrap this and restart. Because God's plan is for everyone to get blessed. But in our nature, we go into a business deal. What is our thinking? Me. What's my bottom line? How much money am I going to make here? And there's times I know good Christian people that are taking advantage of employees every day, taking advantage of companies every day because they're looking out for number one. Who's supposed to be looking out for you? Whose are you? Are you your own or are you bought with a price? If you're his, who's looking out for you? He is. I just have to make sure what I manage that's his, I manage it right. So that whoever comes into my circle doesn't hurt the business, but blesses the business. Whoever comes into my relationships, whoever I befriend as a friend, they're not an absorber and taker, 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 but they're giver also. Remember, I've told you about your friends. You have drive-bys, walk-bys, porch friends, and then you got kitchen friends. Amen? Don't let the drive-bys in your kitchen. They need to grow up some. The walk-bys have grown up a little bit more. The porch friends have grown up even more. But you still don't want them inside the house because they bring too much with them. Amen? More drama than you can handle. Wait till they grow up a little bit more and then invite them into the house. Because in there, now you've brought them in, and they've got to be a blessing to you as much as you are a blessing to them. Out there, you're a blessing to them. They're not a blessing to you. Hello? Does that make sense? That's the group around you you're ministering to. And the sins they commit can affect you. That's why you don't want to get them in the house. You want to keep them out there. All right? So, and I could go on, but this is just my life living, okay? This is just my life living, walking in the wisdom of God in this, all right? We can also sin against our own body, and that is a sin. And we can do it unknowingly, or we can do it willfully. What do we find out? There's that, there's that knowingly that you just cross the line and come back. What do we call that? trespass. We just trespass a little bit. I used to hunt a piece of property, and there was some really good hunting just on the other fence row, on the other, other side of the fence row. And when I knew they weren't out there, anybody around, I might slide over on that fence row, hunt that a little bit, and come back over. 
Was that right? No, I was a selfish Christian. I wasn't completely, I wasn't renewed up here yet. I was doing what's best for me, right? Uh, got shot at one time because we, uh, we went to, uh, my brother-in-law said, hey, is that motorcycle, how's that do? It was, a, it was a dirt bike. He said, can two of us ride on that motorcycle? I said, yeah. I said, why? He goes, well, there's a fishing hole that I know that you can only get there with that motorcycle. I said, really? He goes, oh, you can catch a bunch of fish. I said, well, let's go. He said, all right. That's what I was hoping you'd say. And we, he got, he said, we're just taking two poles. We're not taking a box. We, we got a few lures here. That's all we're going to need. I said, okay. So we got out there, Judy. And he got off that bike real fast. He said, now just lay your motorcycle over. I never lay my motorcycle. I always put it on the kickstand. He said, you just lay it over. I laid it over. And he started fishing. And I mean, he was a fishing. I said, slow down. He goes, well, we need to hurry. I said, hurry? What are we in a hurry for? And about that time, boom. I looked way out there in the distance. And this guy had a gun, rifle or a shotgun. He was holding it up in the air. And he shot it once. And he's waving us away. And I looked over at my brother-in-law, and I said, is this real? He goes, yeah, we got to hurry. I said, hurry? I'm getting on the motorcycle. I'm ready to go. You know, I'm done. And this guy, boom. And then he boomed, and it was heading toward us. You could hear the pellets hitting the, the water. I said, I'm, I'm out of here. And I, we got out of there. And What were we doing? We were trespassing. Trespassing has some recourse. Amen. But then there's that sin of iniquity. You know, God talks about iniquity. Remember, remember, he said, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Oh. That'll make you swallow hard. See, the, now the church has always, I always heard it this way, that if, because I always heard you make your bed, you sleep in it, I always heard that if you sinned willfully, that you're crossing the bloodline and there was no forgiveness for it. How many of you have ever heard it that way? Anybody else ever heard it that way? That once you do that, now you're in trouble. Now, I don't want any show of hands. But all of you that have heard it that way, how many of you have willfully sinned? <laughs> We're all in trouble. What are we even doing in church today? If we believe what the church told us, what are we even doing in church today? We might as well just set them Bibles on fire and roast weenies over them because there's no hope for us if that's true. All right? Now, let me help you how this works in your personal life. I was rushed to the hospital here a few weeks ago. They scared me. Yes, your pastor. I was scared. The way they were acting around me, I thought, Lord, I mean, I was inside as at peace because 
I know where I'm going, and I'm not afraid to get there. I'm very settled in that. But I look over at Pat, and that has a different story. Now, we need to do something. This, needs to get, this is getting serious. And you know the first thing in my mind that tried to bombard my mind? Now, I don't know if you're this way, but I just suspect you probably are. That in those moments like that, the thoughts start coming in, you should have taken better care of yourself. You should have eaten better. You should have exercised. You should have done this and you should. How many, am I the only one in the building that has ever been there in a situation where the doctor's given you a Maybe he's just giving you not a great result. Maybe it's not the death result, but it's not a good result. Your blood work came back, cholesterol's high. Maybe the blood work came back and said, you got sugar diabetes. You got this and you got that, okay? How many of you, and, and I'll tell, I'm going to just give you all, these, I've got a lot of people has helped me on what I need to do, you know, what I need to do, what I need to do, what I need to do. You know, Here's the thing. When that doctor started taking my blood pressure, another one, uh, another nurse was in there getting my blood. I mean, they were all over me like, I mean, they were hooking me up. They thought I was, they thought I might have been, I'm, I'm going, you know. And I'm looking at them wondering if that's not going to be so. You know, not one time did they ask me, Mr. Hammonds, do you eat cheeseburgers? Do you drink Coca-Colas? Mr. Hammonds, do you exercise? Do you run? They, they didn't ask me any. You know what they asked me? Two questions. Mr. Hammonds, do you drink? Mr. Hammonds, do you smoke? That's the only two questions they want to know if I did. Do you drink? Do you smoke? Not one said, hey, do you do your greens? How many fruits and vegetables are you eating today? They didn't ask that question. They want to know, do you drink or do you smoke? Period. Am I right, Nancy? But the first thing everybody wants to tell you is, oh, you got to get on your greens. you got to start doing this. you got to start doing that. But let's get back to what's the voice inside. The voice inside just starts in talking. This is what happens when you get in any trouble at all. The voice starts talking, right? And the sins of iniquity on your body. Don't tell me you didn't know that, oh, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to live on McDonald's Big Macs. I, I didn't know that. I never heard that. You got a cell phone, you know you're not supposed to live on McDonald's Big Macs. You can't live on an order of fries every day, all right? You know you can't. But in the process of that, that's what they, the, the voice starts telling you. What you have not done right. And then you always got people around you always going to help you. Well, you know, you should. Or you know, you shouldn't. I, always would, I wish I had a mirror. Every time somebody talked like that, I'd put a mirror in front of them. 
what you look like, you know. Anyway, what do you do in the moment when those voices are talking? When you know you didn't do right. And what they're saying is true. What is it true to, though? Is it true to the spirit or is it true to the flesh? Now, I'm sitting in there and they're doing all they got to do. And I'm thinking there's not much I can do about all this. I'm I'm on the train now and I'm just going to have to ride this train out, you know. And they're going to do whatever they need to do. But I got to do something about what's going on in here. Because... As a man thinketh, so is he. And so I had to immediately, the Bible says, taking those thoughts captive to the obedience of the flesh. Is that what it said? I didn't think so. What did it say? To the obedience of what? Christ, the anointed one or his anointing Or let me say it better than that, because we're talking about Jesus Christ, right? Jesus is the Word, and the Word is Jesus, so I take my thoughts captive to the obedience of the anointing, anointed Word. What is the anointed Word? The Word that is alive. That's why whenever I, I tell you, you need, if you don't have a phone on you, you need to bring a little a little notepad with you. And when a word is spoken in church that is life to you, it just stirs you. You you know the difference because there's like a highlighter on it. It's like that guy talked about everything today, but the one thing I remember was this right here. What was that? That was your anointed word. You write that down and you meditate on that all week long. What is the purpose of going to church if it doesn't affect you all week long? You're getting nowhere. That anointed word comes to you. You got up, took a shower, brushed your teeth, put all your makeup on, done your hair. You drove all this way, spent all that time and money and effort to get out of bed on Sunday morning, get here, and you're just going to sit here? And an anointed word comes in that's going to deliver you one day out of your trouble, and you just let it go on? you got to write it down. And you got to put it, and, and then you get it in the Bible. You get in the Bible, and you're at home, and you get it in you. So now it is a part of you, and now it becomes life. Now, here's how this worked for me. I was listening to my brain talking. Now, that wasn't me talking. How many of you know the difference? It wasn't me talking. I do not condemn myself. How many of you condemn yourself? We don't condemn ourselves. Amen? Who likes condemnation? Who would condemn yourself? No. We always try to justify ourselves. Is that not what we try to do? We always try to justify ourselves. We always try that we're right. And it's okay. Okay? So when those words are coming in that are not your words and they're not God's words then whose words are they? The liar. I won't even say his name. 
He's the liar. He's the father of lies. And all he knows how to do is lie. So now if he's speaking, everything he says, Jesus said, everything he says is a lie. So if he's speaking, everything he's speaking is what? So evidently, it's not my fault. Why is it not? Wait a second. Did I eat wrong? Did I do the wrong things? Yes. But now there, there is now, there is there, therefore, now, now in my moment here, I, all I have to do is acknowledge Jesus. You know how long it takes you to acknowledge Jesus? The twinkling of an eye, you cannot, you can, in the twinkling of an eye, you can acknowledge Jesus in anything, right? So wait a second, I need Jesus. Jesus is the one that gets me out of this. The moment you acknowledge Jesus, then you begin to realize Jesus already got me out of this. And then you look and say, you know what, I haven't been taking care of myself. Jesus, if you'll help me from this day forward, I will. And you know what? Guess what he says in his word. Watch this. Watch this. This is very, 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 very powerful. Here's what he said. In the Old Testament, under an old covenant, you have a better covenant of better things. And he brings all the old covenant into that and makes it better. And here's what he said. Psalms 103.3. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. When I said, Father, you, you cleanse me and wipe away all my iniquity. Now it's as if I never ate a wrong thing in my life. And then the next thing out of my mouth was, oh, create in me a clean heart. Do you know what that means? If you go look it up, I knew what it meant. And that's why I spoke it. It doesn't, it doesn't mean just spiritually, emotionally, or soulfully. It also means physically. He said, it said in the word create. What's that mean? To create. If God could create this heart inside my mother's womb, then he can recreate this heart outside my mother's womb. There's only that much difference of flesh. Amen? Is that difference of flesh going to stop God from doing what he can do? No. But see, if what we do is we take those words and we receive those words and we allow the condemnation and the guilt to come on us, there's no strength to do better. You're never more weak than you are in a state of condemnation, guilt, and remorse. People think they're doing a good job throwing some fear in you, making you feel guilty, making you feel remorseful, trying to get you to, trying to budge you. And you don't budge anybody with that. You just send them deeper and deeper into despair. The only way out of the rut is Jesus Christ. And now how are we going to articulate that? Because just looking at me saying, Jesus loves you. That don't help me. 
I'm over here maybe dying. And you say, well, Jesus loves you. That ain't good enough. You've got to be able to speak life into me. Your little catchphrase ain't going to work. We need life flowing out of us like a river flowing out of us with words that transform and change the thinking of an individual in the twinkling of an eye, and they can grab a hold of who they are, whose they are, and they can receive from him and start out clean all over again right then. Now, I have evidence that he's creating in me a new heart because I got three tests, and every test, the first test result was so bad that they had me in the doctor's office the next day going through more tests, straight back to the hospital, straight back to the clinic, and this is not good. The next test was, oh, well, this is not bad. The following test was, oh, come in in three weeks and we'll discuss it. You know when they say that come in three weeks and we'll discuss it? Something's changing. And I watched God take me from the red zone to the orange zone to the yellow zone to the green zone. just by taking those thoughts captive and not allowing condemnation of what you have done to take hold of you and solidify you and concrete you in to a disease. He said, who forgives all your iniquities? Who heals all? Is sugar diabetes a disease? Heart disease, that's a disease, right? What about, what, about, what about Alzheimer's? Is that a disease? What about cancer? Is that a disease? What about vision problems, all kinds of diseases? What about all the things that can attack us if we're not careful, we will willfully invite them in. Come into agreement with it. I am very careful what I can. I don't lie. And when they asked me if I was having any pain, no. If I'd have had pain, I'd have told them. They had me scared enough, I'd have told them, whatever's going on, I'm going to tell you what's going on. Right? You know? And I, I like the people that say, well, I ain't afraid of nothing. Well, you ain't never faced anything. That's why you're not afraid of anything. If you start facing something, all of a sudden, you're, you, you, the first emotion that you have that God gave you is fear. <laughs> That's why he said 365 times in the Bible, fear not. Why? Because he knew you'd fear. And when you say, I don't fear and I ain't afraid of nothing, then you're a liar. Ooh, is that too harsh? Or you're just young and dumb, and you ain't been there yet, you ain't lived it yet, you're still living in the good graces of youth. Youth is wasted on the young is what that is. That's, that's the deal there. <laughs> Folks, listen, I don't mean to be hard today. What I'm trying to explain to you is 
get something in your heart and then have something to capture the voices and the thoughts that will come in when you're vulnerable. Satan doesn't attack you when you're strong. He attacks you when you're vulnerable, and none of us, none of us are, are excluded from that. He will start telling you things, and it sounds like your voice, it sounds like your thoughts, and you'll start confessing them. And the next thing you know, you're experiencing them. And you confess them a little more, and it's not long. You're experiencing them even in deeper levels. And it's not long before you're living it out, and the iniquity is now killing you because he's convinced you you're guilty of it. Do you know what the actual translation of there is therefore now no condemnation? Can I tell it to you before we leave? I'm going to go right to the Aramaic. Would you like to hear the Aramaic on this? Here we go. So now, the case is closed. <laughs> Did you hear that? Judgment has already been issued, and this case is closed. There remains no accusing voices of condemnation against those who are joined in lifelong reunion or union with Jesus, the anointed one. The case is closed against you. So now what voices? See, the only he's talking about the only voice that matters. That's his. Satan comes in and he has nothing to do with us. Did you hear me? Satan has nothing to do with you and your business. Nothing. He's got nothing to do with your checkbook. He's got nothing to do with your job. He's got nothing to do with your future. He's got nothing to do with your health. He's got nothing to do with your relationships. He's got nothing to do with you. You need to listen to him like an ex-mother-in-law is how you need to listen to him. You're supposed to laugh at that. That's supposed to be funny. But you need to stop listening to him. Everything he says is a lie, and he's got nothing to do with you. You are now the possession of God's, bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the words that you will use and, tr and take captive and use against the words that are coming against you will be so powerful that you will begin to see results immediately. I went in there with blood pressure that was unbelievable. They looked at me, and within by the time they got my blood, and you know how long this takes, and they got my blood pressure the first time, then they hooked me to the machine to watch it. When they came back in, it had dropped so low. They looked at me and said, well, I think we're going to be able to send you home. They were looking at admitting me. If I'd have held, I truly do believe if I'd have held on to the words that were sliding in my head, 
And then looking at all the charts, you know, they always have those things, the stroke chart and the heartache chart, the heart, heart, heart attack chart. And you're looking down there to see if any of those things are going on right now. Anything going on? Nothing's going on, you know. Folks, listen. We have the power to grab hold of and let go of. And we've got, we have the power to say yes, and we have the power to say no. That authority has been given to us. And it's time that we get a hold of the life of Christ and then take it home and we get it in us because you never know when you're going to need it. You never know when you're going to need it. Get it in you. You never know when somebody else is going to need it. What I did appreciate were people that spoke word into me. Several of my friends spoke word into me. Several of my friends were encouraging. Dean, you're going to get right through this. We're praying. We believe God. We're standing in agreement. You're going to walk right through this. That's who you need around you. Those are your kitchen friends. Amen. Not those who are going to say, oh, that's so sad. We didn't know you had this. We didn't know you had that. We're, we're so sorry. Are you okay? What's a doctor say? Listen, I believe in doctors. But they're just giving a report. The one who has the final report is Jesus Christ. He's got the final say. And his say-so was there before. Amen. 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 Y'all are all right today? Amen. Don't let people confess stuff over you. Don't let people talk stuff around you. Amen. Did you know, I'm going to stop here, you are now a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have now passed away. Behold, all things have become new. There's nothing I get more frustrated about than, and I know you have to answer the questions, they're just doing research. When they start asking you what your father, your grandfather, your all that, listen, I I can't help but help you understand I'm not attached to that anymore. It's not that I think I'm special. It's I am special because through Christ, He delivered me from that and He created a new person and now all things have passed away and now all things have become new. And you know what? If my children will get this, they won't get all the garbage I've got. They'll be even freer than me. Amen? But I'm not held to whatever that family lineage had. And I won't, I won't hear those words. I refuse it. Dr. Lester Summerall got that revelation. And I'm not advocating this. But I will say what he did. If you, don't, if you know who Dr. Lester Summerall was, great. If you don't, look him up. One of the pioneers of faith. He got a hold of, I'm a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And here he come to one of his preacher buddies' house. And he lived in a beautiful uh, subdivision, gated, that kind of subdivision. 
And he heard the awful mess going on outside, and he went outside, opened the door, and there's Dr. Lester Summerall driving through his yard and getting parked where he could point forward out the door, out, out, the, out the driveway. And he come out and thought, well, Doc's getting old. Maybe he's lost a little bit, you know. So he came out there and said, hey, Doc, are you okay? Is everything all right? I said, well, yes, sir, everything's fine. He said, well, Doc, why did you drive all the way through my yard? He goes, I've taken the rearview mirror out, and I'm not using the reverse anymore. I am getting the life on this. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new, and I am looking nowhere but forward from now on. Thought, Boy, I like that tenacity. That's, that's like, he got it, you know. I'm not sure I want him coming to visit my house, but, you know, he got it. Amen? Do you see how much he got it? When you get a hold of it that way, then you got it. Amen? All right. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We love you. We appreciate you. We praise you, Father. You are so good to us. You have a plan, and that plan is to prosper us and not to harm us, give us hope and establish our future. Father, help us that we draw something from this today to understand that, Father, we are not a product of the devil's lies. Never again will we allow the devil, allow ourselves to be a product of his lies. But, Father, we will do what our doctor tells us while we hold on to our faith in you and, and you will work the miracle in us and the doctor will see the miracle in us and you will get the glory. But, Father, we will not hold on to the words that are spoken to us. In Jesus' name, they will not stick. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.